Well, this morning we're actually starting something new. We're starting a new series um, uh, about Abraham and Sarah. It's a walk of faith, a journey of faith uh, that we're going to see. And today uh, we're going to see in the book of Genesis uh, in the Old Testament a story that I think that is pretty incredible. Um, one that is the very beginning uh, for this idea of Abraham and Sarah. And before we get into it too much this morning, I want to ask you a question. When you hear a phrase, the call of God, or the calling of God, what do you think of the call of God? Do you think of it as sort of this special vocational type of call, like someone is called to be a missionary, or called to be a pastor, or maybe you're thinking of like the Old Testament prophets who were called of God to go challenge the people of God, the people of Israel. Maybe you think of, well, the invitation to salvation. We talk about an invitation or a calling, respond to the gift of eternal life offered for all who believe in Jesus. Or maybe you think of calling in a personal terms of your role in the church. Maybe to be a teacher, maybe to help with the music, maybe to help because you know that all of us who are believers in Christ Jesus have spiritual gifts that he gives to us for the building up of the body. You have a calling. You may not have figured it out yet, but God has got a calling on your life. What do you think of when you think of the call of God? Well, in Genesis chapter 12, we see this, what is called the call of Abraham. And originally his name is Abram. God changes it a little later. Uh, so he, we see this call of Abram, this call of Abraham. Let's take a look at it and see what we can learn about God's call in our own lives. It says in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, go uh, from your country, uh, uh, go from your people, your father's household, to the land that I will show you. That's Abraham's part. And now God goes on to say, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Wow. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Verse 3, he goes on to say, And I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all of the peoples of earth will be blessed through you. What an incredible calling. Well, I mean, it's pretty incredible to us. It's kind of like the words we want to hear. You're, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. You come and go, and, I, and you're going to receive this blessing. This is actually called the Abrahamic Covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant. Some people see, um, actually, the story of the Bible as a set of agreements between God and man, where God has said, I have been your creator, and you're going to be my people. I will do these things for you. I will take care of you. I will provide the salvation, and you will be mine. Covenants that the people of God broke over and over and again till it finally led to the covenant that God made through his son Jesus that it all depends on Jesus and only depends on our response of faith because we kept breaking these covenants. But we're going to see this covenant in Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. It's interesting. Most of the work seems to be God. <laughs> Abraham's part, Abraham, go. Just get up go. Go to the land I will show you. Go where I direct you to go. Get up, pack up your stuff, take your family, let's go. Abraham just had to respond. God's part, on the other hand, seems to have a lot more requirements. God says, look, I'm, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Now, at this point, Abraham had no children. So for him to multiply and become a great nation, well, that was sort of the hope and desire of his heart. Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, 
You, you, you get it. it. That it would spread out and become a nation of people? Incredible. God would say, I will bless you, Abram. I think that's so often our prayers, right? For, for prayers of blessing. And if I remember the little book that came out in Christian circles years ago, The Prayer of Jabez? Interesting book. But it was very focused on Jabez's prayer about blessing himself, right? Expand my territory, bless me, bless those I care about. It was very focused on that. Here God up front is saying, you follow me and I will bless you. We often seek that blessing. Knowing that it's a journey, God promises to protect Abram and make him a blessing to the world. And finally, it concludes that the whole world would be blessed through him. I think we so focus on the protection, the blessing, the health, the blessing my family, the taking care of my people. God, I need you in my life to be this blessing. And here up front, God promises all of those things. But what I don't want you to miss is that as God promises blessing, that blessing comes in surprising ways that can be kind of costly to us, at least what we'll see in this passage. So often we're focused on ourselves. We want to sort of receive this, oh, the things that we want out of life. We want this calling of God to be a calling to make my name greater, to make my world special. We see this calling that focuses on us. Have you, any of you seen this commercial that's on TV with uh, Matt Damon in it? He's walking through sort of what looks like a museum of these major historical figures, people who set out on a voyage on the sea, or he walks by, you can see the picture of the Wright brothers, a plane trying to be ambitious to be the first people into flight. Um, astronauts are there who've, who've gone out and, and been part of the Apollo missions or the space shuttle missions, people who have braved new frontiers. At the end, he kind of gives this challenge like, you too could be one of these people, these people that defy the odds and make great challenges. You too could, can receive this incredible blessing of, of heroic challenge, this blessing that comes from investing in cryptocurrency. <laughs> and I, I'm kind of thinking, I don't know if that's the right parallel. I don't know if it's the same thing. I, I don't, I mean, pretty risky, maybe that's what he's trying to say. But I, I, I think he's trying to help us have this sense of adventure and blessing that if we'll just, well, you know, if you're brave enough and bold enough, you too could become wealthy enough. That's not the call of God. In fact, when we look at this call of God to blessing, we will see that actually what happens is that as God blesses us, it impacts our lives in significant ways. And brothers and sisters, for some of you, this is going to be an important message, I think, that God has for your life. The call of God blesses our life by, look at these three things, interrupting our comforts. The call of God blesses our lives by inviting us to have faith in the fulfillment of future promises, things that are not here yet. God 
blesses our lives by involving us in his wonderful life, a life that blesses and changes the world. He invites us into a blessing that actually disturbs our plans, frustrates our uh, sentimentalities, actually challenges us, calls us into a costly sacrifice that is a blessing. Don't, don't, don't hear that as ironic. Hear that as his incredible design that is repeated over and over and over again in history. Now you're saying to me, Pastor Mike, I, I got to be honest, it, it looks to me like Abraham just getting, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you wealthy. The people who curse you, I'm going I'm, I'm to, I'll curse them back. I'm going to protect you. I'm gonna, it looks like it's all just get, get, get. But I think we need to search deeper into the story. We need to look at how, first of all, when God called Abraham, it interrupted his comforts, just like God's call interrupts our own. Let's back up for a second into chapter 11 uh, of the book of Abraham, where we see his story sort of beginning. In chapter 11, verse 31, it says this, Terah, that's Abram's father, Terah took his son Abram, he, his grandson Lot, uh, the uh, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Here's what's interesting. The land that God takes Abraham to is the land of Canaan. His family already had plans to move that direction. They started way down there in the south in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans, a place closer just below Babylon. They move up, and when they get up in the northern country, uh, this country area that would later be part of the Assyrian Empire, when they, as they moved in that direction, moved north, they stopped. They stopped in Haran. Now, this is, was actually, historians tell us, was actually sort of common. This was a time period where there was some great migration occurring in what is called the Fertile Crescent, this region that stretches um, from Egypt up over up into modern-day Syria and down into modern-day Iraq. This, this Fertile Crescent, the, these lands between multiple rivers, uh, was a place that, that people tent were on the move, moved back and forth, whether it was because of drought or famine or political situations, but it seemed like there were some large migrations that were happening during this time. And Abram's family was no different. His dad was like, guys, we need to go. It's, there are the, the, there's greener pastures, I hear, out in Haran. There's things that are going better that direction. Let's, let, let's go over to the land of Canaan. But when they got to Haran, they stopped. They found a pretty good spot. They found a place for a livelihood. They settled in. They made a home. They kind of camped out. If any of you guys have that story? You know, you had planned to move here or you planned to move there, but it just seemed like job and career had moved you to places that were unexpected. That all of a sudden you ended up either away from family or closer to family or in an area that you were surprised by. Things that you had intended in your life, well, somewhere along the way, you just camped out here and became settled and made a home, made a home in a place. 
Most of us, I, when I first moved to Maryland and I was talking to a, a director of who was talking about how to do mission work and planning here, I had been learning New York culture for, for years, being a Texas boy, uh, New York was a radically different thing, and coming to Maryland, I said, hey, tell me who Marylanders are. He's like, well, he said, the truth about Maryland is most of them are from somewhere else. Some of you true uh, been here your whole lives, your parents have been here, your grandparents have been here. Maybe that's not your story, but for so many people in Maryland, it seems like this was a place that somehow life just brought them. It was unexpected. Tara, Abram, Sarah, Lot, they camped out, they had a home, they settled down, things were good, things were content, and all of a sudden God's call interrupts them and says, go, Abraham, go to the place that I will show you. Look at how it says in verse 4, so Abraham went as the Lord told him. Lot, his, his nephew, who in some ways almost like a brother to him, Lot went with him, and don't miss this, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. What do we learn? Time for a new challenge. I don't know what your vision for 75 is. I don't know. Some of you are like, we're there right now. I, I, I'm thinking it's a little bit for me uh, coming up. Uh, my parents are definitely there. Is it time to load up, head out, experience this call of God? Um, <clears throat> some of you are like, absolutely. Some of you are like, actually, things are good. <laughs> I'm pretty, I've got a comfortable seat. I've got a nice view. I've got, you know, things are kind of here. God interrupts this plan in this family where they were set. They were content. They felt like, I could imagine Abraham feeling like he's achieved his wealth, his career, his status. He's made a home in Haran, and things are good. And yet, it was a time when God was saying, come on, come on, come on. Some of you, um, maybe you're not at the 75 years old point. Maybe you're at that college student or young adult or childhood stage. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. And it might not exactly go according to your dreams. It might not be in, in a line with what you were thinking. But God has a plan for you. His calling interrupts our own sensibilities. In verse 5 it says he took Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all their possessions they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. Now, what were the people they acquired? These were people who were indentured servants. These were people who had signed up to be part of his workforce. These were people who didn't have wealth of their own, but kind of signed up to the clan. That's how things work. People who had a lot of wealth ended up needing people who would work and take care of their flocks and their herds, and they would sign up and be part of this clan, part of this team. They would be the soldiers. They would be the shepherds. They would kind of work... Uh, for the sort of wealthy patriarch of the family. So Abraham sets out with all of these people, and they set out for the land of Canaan and arrived there. We hear all of these possessions, and we kind of think, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, you're going to move, you're going to move your stuff. Has anybody moved lately? My wife and I have pretty much decided never again. We've done it twice. We got the U-Haul or the rider truck, you know, one of these uh, things, and, and we loaded it up ourselves and got some friends to come help us. And one of my friends said, if everything's not in a box, 
I'm walking away. I was so scared. I was like, oh, we had everything in a box. I mean, he was Commander Tetris. He fit everything in there perfectly for that drive all the way to New York. But we've done it twice. We have pretty much decided if God calls us again, he's calling us and not our possessions. So we're selling out. We're just going to sell everything. If there's something in our home that you see that you like, if God calls us, we'll make you a deal because we're not taking it with us. But Abram loaded it all up. He packed up the tents, the possessions, the wealth, the flocks, the herds. And guess what? All of the people who work for him, they're like, you're going? Okay, okay. All of them as well packed up their lives to go. God's call to blessing interrupts our expectations. What if as a young college student or a young adult, God says, hey, I've got a plan for you. It's missions. Here we go. What if God has adult, as a senior adult, you're like, God says, I've got a call for you. It's missions. Here we go. What if it's to challenge you to be part of the church in a different way, to take on a different responsibility? Well, we've all got reasons why I know. Sometimes we just feel like, look, I'm too old. I've already done this. Or I'm too young. I'm too experienced. Or I've got one. I've made this one up myself. I'm too middle-aged. I don't don't know how that's an excuse, but it's got to be. It's just got to be. We're too inexperienced. Or sometimes we think we're too qualified. Well, you know, that's for the young people to learn how to do because I'm, I'm, I've got actually too, too much knowledge for that. Or I, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. There's no way I can financially help with that. Or maybe we start to think I've actually got too much wealth to risk in this kind of endeavor. Sometimes we'll say, well, I, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm too busy with my work or my family or, or travel or, or any of these other things that I've put into my life. Or maybe we start saying... just trying to get settled. I I, I still haven't got things in place yet. I still haven't got it lined up yet. Well, we start saying that, well, things are pretty much okay and good right here. We don't know the way, don't know how to get there, or already been there, already done that. What's your excuse? What's your excuse for saying no to the Lord and his call in your life? We've all got them. We've all done it. We've all kind of said, it's just too much. I don't know how to do it. Or I've already tried that before. Sometimes we just have to say, yes, Lord. Walking in the way of your truth. We wait for you because your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. Abraham just said, okay, Lord, I'm in. I'm going. Let's go. Chapter uh, 12, verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. Valley Baptist Church, if we're going to be the people that God has called us to be, we just have to say yes. We just have to say yes. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be disruptive in some of your plans and some of your goals. and some of, It's going to be. It just is. But we don't get to the blessing without the disruption. We miss out what God has for her. If you talk long to my wife, she'll tell you this story sometime about how, as a school teacher, doing really well. She's a very good school teacher. Um, Very comfortable in her position. Things were all pretty good. And she was being recruited to a PhD program. I don't think that had happened yet. You were doing your master's. She was doing her master's, and 
all of a sudden the Lord had kind of spoken to her. And when the teacher, when the principal said, now is anybody not coming back next year for school? She just knew. And she said, that the Lord had spoken to her, if you don't quit your job, you're going to miss the plans that I have for you. So just in faith, she left her job, and God opened this opportunity for her to do, ultimately do her PhD and the work that she's doing here, all was a direct result of her obedience to just say, I don't know why, I don't know the, how this is going to work out, I'm just going to take that step of faith. We're in Maryland today because of that obedience. God's blessing comes. It's disruptive. He invites us to a fulfillment just like Vicky experienced and we experienced. He invites us to a faith in a fulfillment of future promises. Just because we say, yes, the promises and the blessings don't come immediately. So often they're about something in the future. Let's look at what happened with Abraham. It says in verse 6, So Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Now remember, God promised Abraham, I'm going to give you this entire land. I'm going to give it to your people. I'm going to make you a great nation. But there were people already living there. I don't know if anybody else has tried this, but you go, go up to a house and say, knock, 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 you know, God has promised me to have this home. Um, so as soon as you're ready to move, a week or so, I mean, I got, I'm a little flexible, two weeks, something like that, if we can figure this out. You're probably going to get arrested for trespassing and carted off somewhere crazy. Here, Abraham's moving into an area. Now, there was plenty of space, but he's moving into an area that other people had their own villages, their own towns. This was their land, not his land. This is not, and he just had to move through a land that was not his own. In fact, his whole life, he didn't own a single piece of that land except one little cave that he used as a burial site that he purchased. Everything else, the whole time, belonged to the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Bar- so many other peoples. In verse 7, it says that the Lord appeared to Abram again and says, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. God brought Abram into a place where he was participating in future promises. He was participating in something that was not here yet. I feel that way for the church right now. I feel that way for the church right now. I don't know what Valley Baptist Church is going to look like in 20 years, but I feel like this group right now, that God is calling here to be part of this work right now, is part of what God is doing now, but also laying groundwork for the future. Many of us won't be there to see all that God would do. But that's always how it's been for the kingdom. All the time when we're raising our children, when we're investing in the kingdom, it's for something beyond. It's something that's out there that we're not even going to see. Abraham walked in a land where he didn't see what was going to happen. In fact, as he built this altar to worship the Lord, he was very much facing things that he thought, how could this happen? Because don't miss verse 30 of chapter 11. We kind of skipped over it. It says, now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. When God's speaking words, I'm going to give this to your children, that's an empty set. (laughs) That's the set of no children. That's the, I'm going to give this to, to, now, which kids are those, God? Um, I don't remember any of these children. What what children are you talking about? He invited him to have these eyes of faith. 
He, so when God calls us to go and to move and to step out, there's often, well, how are you going to pay for that? I, I, I don't know. With what money, God? Well, it's the money that God's going to provide. Well, uh, Lord, if I step out into this conversation about you, how is it going to work out? How am I going to tell them about Jesus? How? It's with the words that God gives and the knowledge that he gives. But God, if we as a church begin to do, how, 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 where is this going to come from? I don't know either. But that's the call of faith. That's the call of blessing, is to learn to walk in an area where we don't know what's going to happen. What does this mean for Valley Baptist Church? I, I don't know. I just know that if God is calling you here, he's calling you here to participate now in work that some of work is going to be in the future that we may never see. Doesn't make it any less blessing. Doesn't make it any less significant. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, don't miss this. I hope you, when he talks about the roll call of faithful, when he talks about people who had honored God throughout the Old Testament, he, listen to what he says of them. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them at a distance and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers here on the earth. Go on to verse 16. Indeed, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We are part of the people of the Lord, and it is eternal people, and we are looking forward to a better city. We are looking for better days ahead. We are looking forward to things that we may not even see, but we still give and pray and serve and work, investing in what is to come. There's some hard days. This weekend, there were some hard days for some of our congregants. There are some places where we don't see how this is going to work out for the church or for our children or for our own lives. We don't know how these dreams and visions that God, how am I supposed to become this minister or pastor that he's called me to be? How am I supposed to find the, the, the family that he's called me to be part of? How, where am I supposed to serve? How is it going to work out? We don't know. Welcome to the land of faith. What I hope that we become, though, is the land of the faithful. You see the difference? Sometimes I can be excited about the land of faith, but I'm excited about being the land of the faithful. I can be excited about these things that are to come that I don't see yet and I can believe in, but to get there, Abraham had to go. And he had to go each day. He could, you know, I'm sure there were many days he was like, you know, back in Haran, <laughs> you know, it was pretty comfortable. I, you know, we could go back. How long will it take us to give? If we turned around now, this has been fun for a couple years, but, you know, it's probably time to go back to see Dad one more time. Maybe it's go, to go see our cousins. Maybe back to family and what's familiar. When God blesses our lives by his calling, the last thing I want you to see is it involves others in the wonder of God's life. God's plans. Watch how this does. Watch how this work does. As we are faithful, um, God blesses our lives by blessing our families. But again, it's not in the way you might think. He blesses our families. 
Let's take a look. He blesses our families by uprooting them and challenging them, by involving them in this calling, and by confronting the places where maybe they have become stagnant or complacent. When we say yes to the Lord, when we are faithful, yes, it's going to be disruptive. Yes, it's going to challenge. Yes, it's going to divide even and confront people where they are at. Think about what happened in the story with Abraham. Look at chapter 12, verse 5. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and the people that were attached to him. All of these people were affected by, his, 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 by Abraham's call. You know, I, I often, we changed the title of this whole series, in fact, um, this week. I was going to call it, you know, Abraham, A Journey of Faith. Doesn't that sound right? Doesn't that sound nice and traditional and something you've seen before in a church, right? Anybody been around Abraham, life of faith? We went with Abraham and Sarah. And I think this is part of the why. Sarah had to go too. Sarah had to leave relationships too. Sarah was impacted. Lot was impacted. The children were, well, not their children, but anyone that Lot had, they were impacted. The, 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 the servants were impacted. People were impacted. The family was uprooted. The family had to move out. The family had to pack. The family had to sell things. Do you remember Jesus' calling of his first disciples? Mark chapter 1, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. The business was disrupted. Verse 19, when he had gone a little farther, Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And don't miss this. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Sometimes as we follow the Lord, it's disruptive. It uproots. It impacts our family. It even divides them. Some won't understand. Some won't agree. Some won't even support. It might actually challenge their own faith. As you are faithful to the Lord, they might have to consider their own ways. Jesus said it in Luke chapter 12. He says, look, don't you think that I came to bring peace on an earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in a family divided against each other. Three against two, two against three. There could be real clashes as we try to follow and honor Jesus. Vicki and I are pretty blessed that our parents and our, our siblings, they, they do believe, they do honor the Lord. But I'll tell you, even some of the choices that we've followed the Lord in, our parents have, have really questioned and really kind of said, no, no, no. Early on, I really thought we were going to be foreign missionaries and there was this great opportunity for us to go to Uzbekistan. God closed those doors and opened the door for us to go to New York instead. I don't think our parents wanted us to move very far away from them. They wanted to keep us close. Which parent doesn't want their children? Well, I think there might be some parents that want their parents. But, but for most of us, we want our kids you know, to stay close. I, I, I get it. it made, what made the New York move much easier was that initial call to Uzbekistan that I thought we had. Because they were like, oh yeah, New York, New York, that'd be a lot better. That's a lot closer. They didn't want us to go to the, end, to, to the ends of the earth. You know, so often we want to hold on. 
Jesus can divide us. Jesus challenges us. It affects our whole family. But the call of God also blesses those around us. Did you see what happened in verse 8? From there, he went toward the hills east of Bethel, pitched his tent, and with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. You see, God's love was not just for Abram. God's love was just not for the people that would come from him and the lineage that would come from him. God's love was for the people in Bethel and Ai, the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hittites, they, the Gergesites. They all began to come to know this man named Abraham. God was blessing the communities and the world around through his obedience. Don't miss out on being the witness that God has called you to be. Finally, when God, we answer God's call, it truly blesses the world. In verse 3, God promised Abraham this, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse. But here's the key, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We know, as we've seen the whole picture, as we see this biblical narrative, we understand that Jesus ultimately was this descendant. He was the promised seed of Abraham, this one that we put our faith in, that the world was blessed because ultimately the Messiah would come from Abraham. He would be the Savior of the world. Galatians, the Apostle Paul says it this way, understand then that those who have the faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the nations, all peoples, the Gentiles, by faith in Christ and announce that gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. The Apostle Paul understood this. He saw it now that it wasn't just the Jewish people who were the blessing, even though they were descended from Abraham, but it was specifically the Messiah King who would bless not just the Jewish people, but the Gentiles. All the nations of earth would be blessed by a Savior who would, be, who would come. This morning, I, I think that there are some of you that God may be ultimately uprooting from this congregation to send you into what's next in your calling. Nobody wants to lose you, but you have to be obedient. It may disrupt family, it may disrupt what, but God may be calling you. Some of you, there may be a place of contentment, of satisfaction, or a place that you've got plans for your life, and you just have to say, God, if that works out, cool, but my life is yours, and however you want to use me, use me in my family in my neighborhood, or wherever else in this world. Some of you this morning have not experienced that calling because you've not answered God's first call. His first call to come into a relationship with him. His first call to respond to the Messiah, Savior that he sent. Jesus, who died for you, who loved you. If that's you this morning, right where you are, you can pray. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. I want to follow you. This week we saw a young man make that very prayer right here in our parking lot uh, on the way home. Uh, he prayed to receive Christ. God's bringing people. God's calling people. Will you respond to that call? Some of us, we're just kind of hoping to hang on, let things be smooth. There's no hanging on being smooth. God's called us to follow him. 
will you say yes? If you need to pray about something in your life, or if you're making a decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to be here at the front. You come, you respond. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing some praises. But it's asking the Lord to make us a blessing as we serve him today. Aaron and the music team, come and lead us as we respond uh, to God's call on our lives. Thank you.